I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On this Sunday, when we anticipate the Rogation Days by singing hymns exalting the glory of God's good creation and by blessing our small plot of land here at All Saints, it makes sense to be reminded that the first book of God is not the Bible, but rather the book of nature itself. Now, lest you think that this is just some hippie talk from your rector, I assure you that this is an old idea offered by early church fathers and embraced throughout church history. Nearly 1,600 years ago, St. Augustine wrote this. Some people, in order to discover God, read a book, but there is a great book the very appearance of created things. Look above and below, note, read. God, whom you want to discover, did not make the letters with ink. He put in front of your eyes the very things that he made. Can you ask for a louder voice than that? Since that time, we have moved in and out of periods when the church reads and heeds both books, the sacred book of nature alongside the book of sacred scriptures. And yet the church in her wisdom provides reminders for us, reminders like rogation days, that God's creation is good, that we are part of it, not above it, tasked with caring for, nurturing the goodness and beauty of the earth, that we are to join all of creation, angels and heaven, sun and moon and stars, mountains and hills, whales and birds, in praising and exalting God forever, just as we sang at the beginning of Mass today. Rogation Day originated in France during the 5th century when a bishop facing multiple natural disasters decided that the proper response, as always, was prayer. So he organized an annual procession of rogation, which just means asking. During that procession, people prayed the litany of the saints and they asked for forgiveness of sin and then they asked for God's blessing upon their land. And rogation days developed into a time when congregations would leave their buildings to beat the bounds of the parishes walking around the entire village and farmlands, familiarizing themselves with the land and the animals and the people that they were to care for as a parish. Though the book of nature has much to teach us about God, and the book of scriptures is permeated with references to God's creation and the importance of it, too often we lose touch with, forget to read, God's first book. In fact, all throughout scripture, we see how God has given us all that we need in creation, yet we strain against this goodness, seeking our own way, 
certain that we know better than God. The book of sacred scripture opens with day after day of God creating abundantly, calling it good, and then only two chapters later we find God providing us a perfect garden filled with everything we need, a river running through it, nourishing all who live there, and then we turned away deciding that we knew what was best, refusing to follow the rules in God's book of nature. And we were expelled, or we expelled ourselves from the garden, and we've been trying to get back ever since. Scripture continues to unfold after those creation stories, showing the ways we wander from God. We dominated nature with agriculture, and we had to be reminded in the book of Scripture not to be greedy in our dominance, to leave some of our crops for the poor. Later in Scripture, we seek to leave behind the natural world altogether as we build cities to glorify ourselves, seeking to reach the heavens with the Tower of Babel, certain that we could be like gods ourselves. And then cities become places where we wall ourselves off from one another, enclosing ourselves for war, besieging the walls of one another's cities, seeking to plunder natural resources that the others have built up for themselves. And surely the great tragedy of scripture is slavery in Egypt, when God's people are forced to build and build and build for Pharaoh's construction project. Later, it is the city of Rome that represents oppression and sin. Throughout scripture, you can see us moving further and further from God's book of nature, even as we are reading and writing the other book that we cherish. And yet, in that very book, there are intimations and memories of the good creation God has given us. The Psalms place us squarely in nature, There's a great whale in there created for the sport of it by God. Jesus uses natural metaphors to describe himself and the Father, shepherd, vine, living water. He explains how God cares for us as birds of the air and flowers of the field. And yet, here we are, so distant from God's good earth, so eager to continue in our own ways, defying the natural world and natural laws and wisdom that show us that the way to live is to live gently and lovingly here, to ensure that we don't take more than the earth can renew, that we should nurture beauty rather than scarring the earth with extraction, poisoning rivers and soil, burning and burning and burning fuel to support our desire to be as gods, to have all that we want, we demand, even if that means leaving after us a devastated book of nature that future generations will find difficult, if not impossible, to read for knowledge of God. I don't need to rehearse the details of all that we have done, are doing, I don't need to point out that children are more familiar with screens than with trees and streams. I don't need to remind you that we 
now are long past the time when we can prevent permanent damage, that we have changed God's world for generations to come. I suppose it's no surprise that we descendants of those who refuse to follow the rules in the original lush, sustainable garden still can't follow the rules laid out in the book of nature or the book of sacred scriptures. We still flee from God and creation, setting up things the way we want them. Even so, do we not sorrow as we see the book of nature growing shabby, pages torn out, ink smeared, becoming harder and harder to read? Is God not heartbroken by our rejection, our desecration of the good creation God has given us? I do not know exactly how to move forward, but I do think that our two sacred texts can help us read each other better. Scripture shows us God's dream for us. Scripture shows us how God takes the damage we've done and renews it for good. In the book of scripture, we see how we betray God's good plan by abusing a tree in the garden, but then how God uses the tree of the cross to bear the fruit of Christ's body for our redemption. And now in this time, when we see how we have devastated God's good creation, running from God's garden in our eagerness to build and build and build, we see God's vision for us in the revelation of St. John the Divine. There we are told that when we are all in all and there is a new heaven and a new earth, God will offer a new Jerusalem, a city for we who would always build cities. And that city is surrounded by walls to keep us safe, yet the gates are always open. The city is capacious. It's large enough for everyone. The city runs on renewable power, not solar, but the light of God. And in the middle of the city, a garden, a garden with another river running through it, streaming from the throne of God, a tree, a tree so generous planted there that it straddles the river and is laden with fruit all the year round. Here, we have a vision of how God can renew, does renew all garden and city in harmony, a river flowing from the original garden now through the celestial city, a tree we abused, a tree we hung our blessed Lord on, now a tree that nourishes us always. God and humanity brought into right relationship as we finally lay down our crowns to worship at God's throne. That's the vision God has for us, flourishing, a garden, enough, 
trees and rivers, city and country reconciled. On this rogation day, may we allow this vision to inspire us to guard the first book of God, the book of nature. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.